You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. CFOs and controllers, there's a better way to manage cards, expenses, travel, and reimbursements. You need a unified spend platform from Brex that lets you control all your spend in one place, automate compliance, and close the books faster. Get started at Brex.com. This summer has seen actors returning to the stage, and some regional theaters have returned to normal with a summer season and live audiences. And with that, of course, has seen an increase in auditions. I actually had my first musical audition in more than a year just last month. So it is with great pleasure and excitement that I welcome you to the third annual Audition Stories here on the podcast. (laughs) I always love presenting these stories. The last time I had these audition episodes was actually a month before the COVID shutdown, and I've had a lot of guests with a lot of great stories since then. Today's episode brought to you by We Audition is actually part one of these wonderful tales from the room where it happens. Now, I know we've been doing a lot of self-tapes lately, but I think we need a reminder of the happy and, yes, hysterical things that can happen in person and in front of the audition table. And at the end of this episode, none other than Brian Cranston has some sage words of wisdom we can all apply to the auditions and self-tapes. If you can grasp this and nothing else, this might save your career. It'll save your sanity. Hello, I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones, and thank you for joining me on this special episode of Why I'll Never Make It, one of Feedspot's top 25 theater podcasts. Each week, I explore the realities of a career in the performing arts with fellow creatives. The website is whyillnevermakeit.com. There you can sign up for the Win Me newsletter. Not only will it tell you about upcoming guests, but it will give you special access to video episodes, as well as artist resources, and a behind-the-scenes look at this podcast. Get the newsletter today by going to whyillnevermakeit.com or click on the link in the show notes. As I said at the top, it's been almost a year and a half since I've done these audition stories. And so some of these are going to be from this season as well as season four. And I wanted to start off with one of my favorites over this past year and a half. And it is from Chaz Wolcott. Now, he is someone that I worked with as a dancer, but he's gone on to be a director and choreographer in his own right as well. And in this story, he talks about a shattering audition he had for what would have been his Broadway debut. 
I would say one of my biggest idols in this industry and in general is Andy Blankenbuehler. I just think he's brilliant. I think that he, I, I align and understand like his method. I think, you know, I just really love him, respect him. Uh, first time that I was in a callback room with him, um, I'd taken his class and all that business, but I've never been in like callbacks. I was in callback for bandstand on Broadway and it was my birthday and I was really feeling it. And I had this wonderful um, opportunity where his assistant, Jamie Verizon, there was like an extra guy in the room and they were partnering. And for whatever reason, I ended up being the extra guy who didn't end up with a partner. So his assistant, Jamie, came back and partnered me. And it was like the best ever because she like taught me all these inner tricks to how to do everything. She was awesome. And so I was feeling real confident about this combo and I did it and I felt good. And it's like exactly my style. Again, he's my idol. I love him feeling so good. And at the end of the combination that, you know, we're dancing with girl, whatever. And the guy does this like knee slide straightforward. And I, I'm telling you, I nailed this combination. I was like, this is it. I'm going to book my Broadway debut. And I slid on my knee with such gusto and such conviction that I slid right into Mr. Blankenbuehler who was sitting, sitting on the floor in front of a mirror, which my knee slammed into and shattered the mirror over his head. And I was mortified, completely ignoring the pain that was obviously setting into my knee, but just mortified by the experience that I was like, I'm so sorry, I can pay for it. Like, I'm so like, I was just mortified because honestly, I just hit a slick spot on the floor and slid too far. Like I wasn't even out of control or like I wasn't, it wasn't like I was so unaware of where he was. I mean, I saw it coming. It was like, oh my God, I'm hit it. Um, I didn't get the show, if that comes as any surprise to you. And I haven't been in a callback for him since, but I'm hoping one day to work with him and be like, do you remember when I shattered a mirror over your head? How um, could he forget that? Like that he must like when he tells an audition story, yeah. that must be the one he tells. I I oh, I hope so. Maybe with humor. I hope he's not <laughs> mad at me. The, the mirror did not fall, so no one was like, you know, no one had shards of glass. It just shattered on the wall. But right. um, I do think that was like roughly I forget how many years ago, but I'm waiting for those seven years of bad luck to um catch up with me. And then I plan on auditioning for every Andy Blankenbuehler show I can after those seven years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. I love that so much. That's a great story. 1000% true. On my birthday. Yeah, I mean, that is the gift that keeps on giving right there. Yeah. I must say that has got to be one of my favorite stories that I've been told by a guest. I, I just love that story. I mean, I'm no dancer, but at least I haven't done that, right? <laughs> All right, this next story is actually one that I did in person. That's right. This was done well before the pandemic. So I was actually able to sit down face to face with Megan Carver. She is an actress, singer, and filmmaker, and she is a wonderful person, crazy and funny. And she and I had a great conversation about a certain audition she had to break her free of being seen for just the ensemble. When I was in Portland, I was kind of pigeonholed into a lot of chorus roles, and I was having a really hard time 
getting past that and getting anything that was like a supporting role. And so I actually moved to Seattle for a year to just kind of take a break and go to a different market. I didn't really like Seattle and I got homesick. So I came back and was like, you know what? I'm going to come back to these theaters and I'm going to give them a show. So I came back to one very specific <laughs> theater, Broadway Rose Theater Company, and I was auditioning for my good friend, Rick Lewis. They were doing Forbidden Broadway. And I really wanted to make an impression and I wanted to just stick out. And that show was so all about impressions. It exactly yes. is that, right? Yeah. So I sang Screw Loose from Crybaby. And I thought, what can I do to make this even more you know, stick out in your mind so they won't forget me and know that I'm right. I, it's my time. I can step up to those roles now. And so I wrote one of the artistic directors of the theater. I wrote his name in Sharpie on my arms. And so when I got to the big number, I took my jacket off and shot my arms out and it said, Dan Murphy on my arms. (laughs) And they lost it. I was like, they're either going to be horrified. Right. Like, what is this crazy well, person? Well, we'll never cast her or they're going to love it. And luckily, it was the latter of the two. Good. And I Good. got into Forbidden Broadway, luckily. Uh, and well, not luckily. I earned that. I felt really no, good about no, that. No, you, you thought outside the box and you made it personal to that audition, that room. Yes. And I knew those people. I'd been auditioning for those people since I was about 18 years old. So I I knew the room a little bit. And even if they didn't like it, I thought they would be kind, even if it was awful. But luckily, they loved it. And uh, I got Forbidden Broadway and had a blast with it. So so was then that your first stepping out of chorus? Yeah, that was the... And ever since then, I was able to get supporting roles after that. So it ended up So you found that sharpieing names onto your body now get you work? I do that all the time. (laughs) When I go into Starbucks, I write free coffee on my forearm and just show it to them. And they're like, I'm sorry, I I guess your total is zero. Zero. You can Uh, go on over. Please have your frappuccino. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you just sharpie stuff onto your body, you get anything you want. See, you just never know the words of wisdom you're going to get from guests here on the podcast. Well, speaking of which, this next lady is someone that I truly enjoyed speaking with. And her story is so moving, so inspirational. She talked about how in college she was diagnosed with a form of dysautonomia, which basically affects her autonomic functions. And so it landed her in a wheelchair. Now, she doesn't need it all the time, but for the kind of movement and energy she brings on stage, she does need a wheelchair to keep her going. And so there was a transition period as she went from never having been in or needed a wheelchair into now this new phase of her life and career where a wheelchair is now a part not only of her performance, but also her auditions. I had an audition once and it was one of those auditions that definitely taught me that I have to always call ahead and make sure as a disabled performer that the venue that the audition is going to be at is accessible. And so I, this was back before I had learned that lesson and I got to the theater and there was just the steepest ramp to get to um, where I had to audition. And I finally get up this ramp and um, I just felt like, okay, if I can do that, I can nail this audition. <laughs> and then I'm getting, 
I get called in and they have this really big, loud, obnoxious um, wheelchair lift to get down to where the audition was, which I was great. I loved that that part was super accessible, but we were all just kind of laughing at how loud and obnoxious it was. And so like, instead of just kind of like sitting there and, you know, being like, okay, this is awkward. Like <laughs> everyone's staring at me. Like I just had to own it. And I just like started queen waving and like, they just, they, the whole like panel thought it was hilarious. And I was like, sorry, I just had to make my grand entrance. And I think it's, you know, that moment really taught me like the more I own like my chair and, you know, the, the silly things that come with it like that, um, the more comfortable it makes people. And I think that that was something that each audition that I've done has kind of taught me is that I really, I have to own it for other people to like want to hire it essentially. (laughs) What what was that show for, by the way? Uh, That was for Mercury Theater Company's summer season a couple of years ago. Did you book anything that summer or that season? That was the show that I booked from that audition called Soho Cinders by the same composers as Honk. It's not super popular. It was was, was on the West End and it's only had very few productions here in the States. Nice. nice. It's a gay Cinderella. (laughs) You shall go to the ball, Cinderella. I'll take you for. That was a brief excerpt from the musical, and as I said, it's one that I hadn't heard of before, but I started looking up their particular production, the Mercury Theatre production of Soho Senders, and there's a link to some of those YouTube videos in the show notes. And just like Meredith, this next story is also someone making the best of what could be an uncomfortable situation. Damien Thompson is a good friend of mine that I actually met through someone else that I worked with back in 2015 doing First Wives Club. Damien and I have kept in touch through the years, and we talked about his own struggle with stuttering and how theater has actually enabled him to overcome and better manage his own stuttering. But as you'll see from this next audition story, he is certainly not one to ever hold his tongue when he has something to say. Okay, my favorite audition story is one that happened right before the pandemic. And I was auditioning for a musical. And I don't do musicals very often, which is very, you know, strange, but I I do it probably 15 to 20% of the time. And I was going to a callback for La Caja Falls. And uh, a d- director friend of mine was like, oh, I didn't know that you do musicals. And I was like, I don't really do musicals. I just, you know, every now and then this is a direct <laughs> request. Right. And he goes, well, you should like audition for my show. And I was like, I, I was like, I'm not really a musical theater person. Like he said, come on, just, well, well, just at least stop by and say hi. So I was like, okay, cool. So I went and I did my callback song, went to the stop by the room. And I was like, hi, I- I'd like to see. And the, the casting person was like, Damien? And I was like, uh, yeah. And he's like, come on in. And I was like, I was like, how do you know my name? And he goes, well, we've been talking about you. And I was like, okay. So I come in, I come in the room <laughs> and my friend, my friend goes, and it's like, you know, the producer, the choreographer, the musical director, um, you know, the, the director, casting people. It's everybody. Everybody. And he's like, Damien. He goes, this is a guy that I was telling you about. He doesn't want to audition for us. <sighs> 
<laughs> that's always a great way. I was that's like, a great way. I was like, um, <laughs> I was like, well, uh, wow. Can I explain myself? And he goes, oh, no, 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 please, please. I, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot. And I was like, well, you already did. So um, let me explain. I said, um, I said, no, um, I, it's not that I don't want to audition for you. I'm just going to be upfront is that I'm very insecure about singing in an audition. Like I can do it in a show once I've worked on it, but I get major anxiety auditioning for musicals and it's the singing portion. And then he, the director friend was like, Oh, that's it. And I was like, yeah, that's it. And that's a major it. Right. So they said, well, well, could you just like sing a song for us? Like, you know, like just one of your own songs. And I was like, Okay, well, I'm gonna need like five minutes to like prep. So I'm 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 gonna go take the next person and then I'll come in. Now keep in mind I did not have an appointment. <laughs> like I'm like seeing right. all these people. So then I go out, I sing it on my own. I'm like living my dream, like this is amazing, whatever. And then I come in the room and I'm like, I you know, I could I I'm ready to go next. <laughs> so I'm skipping all these people and I go in and then I tell them the song I'm gonna sing, and it was um I don't remember you. Um, you know, like, I don't remember you, whatever. And so I, I go in and I start and I sing it very, like, uh, slowly. And I, I'm singing it, I'm singing it. And in my head, I'm just like, this sounds awful. I'm going to stop. And then I just stop halfway. And everyone's like, why'd you stop? And and I was like, uh, oh, I told you because I was nervous. I was like, I just thought it sounded bad, but apparently it didn't. So I was like, uh, I, was, I was just nervous. Um, I, I'll do it again. So I, you know, I told myself like to sing it all the way through. So I go and I sing it all the way through, you know, and, and they're like, oh, that's, yeah, that's good. It's good. Um, we're we're going to teach you 16 bars of a song from the show. And I was like, oh, OK. So I'm going and I'm learning it in front of all these people now. Right now, normally I would be nervous like to another level, but because I've already told them, I, I'm nervous about singing. Like I put it out there. So I was relaxed. I was cracking jokes. You know, I was cracking jokes on the director. The producer loved me because I kept like cracking jokes about the director and they were close friends. And so she was cracking jokes also. And so like, I, I learned the song, you know, blah, blah. And then like, I left and I was like, thank you guys for coming. And they're like, oh, you know, thanks for like, and I was like, yeah, thanks for having me. And then I leave and I'm like, oh, well, that's over, you know, whatever. That night, I get a call from my director friend. They love you, and they and they want you to come to call to call back. And I was like, <laughs> "We'll be here playing some games." Because I was like, "No." And he goes, "No, come, no, come to call back." And I was like, "He's like, don't worry, I won't dance you." And I was like, "Because you know, I've danced for like years." So I was like, uh, "Okay." And I was like, "All right." And I was like, "But but I don't have to sing anymore, right?" And he goes, "No." I goes, "Okay." So I'm just gonna like read 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 a scene. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, cool, cool." So that night I go out, I'm like, you know, drinking, I'm having a good time. Cause all I need to do is like read a scene, which I can do in my sleep. Right. Show up the next morning. We're learning a dance. So I learned the, the dance, which is fine. And then we finish the dance early and we're waiting on the director who is late. So then he, he shows up late and he says, Oh, I'm so sorry. They had told me a later time, but you guys finished early. And I was like, mm-hmm. So then I go and I do, I do the, um, I go in to do my scene. And as I go in to do my scene, they said, okay, so we'd like to hear the song that you sung first. And I was like, um, I, um, so could we not do the song from the show? Because I didn't practice it because I was told that I was not singing today. Someone told me that. 
Now, like, and that's just how I said it. Like I had no, someone, like I had no hose bar, right? Just like cracking jokes. Yeah. And so it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll sing you. And I go, I'll sing the song I sung before, but I'll, I'll sing it up tempo because, you know, I realized the show, the songs in the show is a little bit more upbeat. So I sung it up tempo and like a jazzier version of it. And then I, they asked me, okay, well, can you just sing just a little bit of the 16 bars from the show? And I was like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to reteach it to me. I'm, I'm so sorry. So then they reteach it to me and I sung it. And I was like, wow, you guys do not quit. Like you, you want to hear, 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 hear this song. <laughs> so then I did it. And then um, I did the reading of the, you know, the scene, which went well, whatever, blah, blah. And then at the end, my director friend was trying to be cute and was like, well, Damien, thank you so much for coming in. And for that glorious rendition that you did of your song, you know, like, because I switched it up and I was like, Oh, oh, we want to play games. Well, I said, well, guys, thank you so much for having me. You know, thank you to the choreographer for teaching the dance. It was, you know, I really appreciate it. Thank you to the producer for your support. Um, I would thank the director, but clearly he didn't care. That's why he was late today. So thanks to everyone else. I'm out. (laughs) They literally, they went on the floor, like just like dying (laughs) laughing, dying laughing. And then I went home and the next day I get an email from the the director telling me that I'm getting an offer. I was like, you guys are killing me. You you guys are killing me. But that all being said, (laughs) because I was so relaxed, I'm sure mm-hmm. I did a lot better than I thought in my head because I was honest. You know, I just walked in and I was like, listen, this is what it is. You know, I'm nervous. Work with me. I can do it in the show, but I'm, I'm nervous. And I think that, you know, giving, being that vulnerable, like people respect, respect that, or at least they did for me. So I was like, thank you, Lord. Now, Damien makes a good point, and it's something that every actor feels going into an audition. That vulnerability. All eyes and ears are on you, and every move and action and motivation is being watched and judged. That's why it's so important to feel supported, not only when you're auditioning, but also in the preparation before the audition. At the beginning of this year, I started using We Audition which is an online community of actors and readers to help me with my self-tape auditions. Now, sometimes I need someone to just read the lines so that I'm not speaking into silence. And other times I need someone to help me navigate the dynamics of a particular scene or character. And thankfully, I found all this and more through We Audition. They've even started bringing on casting directors to hold their auditions on the platform. And going to We Audition and having these readers has really been such a help when no one else is available. Or, you know what, let's just be honest. Sometimes it can be hard to take direction from those closest to you. Those who, they want to help your auditions. They want to be of benefit to those self-tapes. But sometimes they just need to shh. And the readers at We Audition offer a comfortable, objective eye as I audition. Now, back in March, I spoke with Carrie Burnans about her time with Black Panther, but also her own experiences with We Audition. In fact, co-founders Richard Cambridge and Darren Darnborough named Carrie one of their MVPs of We Audition. And she told me about one of the greatest benefits when it comes to using this service. 
I would say the community, we audition has built a community that's unlike any other. To me, the most important thing that you can have in your acting career to continue to focus and keep your head going forward is a community. Community is everything. And we audition has built this platform where you can be comfortable and confident with practicing your auditions as well as like they're super socially connected. And then they have these meetups and these Zoom calls and people reach out to each other. And for me, it just, it it might be the comfortability to fail in front of your friends and not be judged. It might be also that they've built this place that is um, very actor forward and inspirational and always offering tips and resources to help you move forward in your career. And I think I'm, Honestly, Darren and Richard has just made such an impact with the way they've built their community with We Audition. So check them out at weaudition.com to see how this online community could possibly help you. And when you're ready to sign up, Darren has offered listeners like you 25% off a membership. Just use the promo code WINME25. That's W-I-N-M-I-2-5. Their website, again, is weaudition.com, or use the link in the show notes. All of the auditions that I've done through We Audition have been for on-camera work, commercial, TV, film, that sort of thing. And I say, unfortunately, it is the way that it's going right now. I think even once this pandemic is done and we're back to doing in-person auditions, I still think the self-tape will be an important, if not initial audition, it will still be a part of the process. And this next story comes from actor and filmmaker Alex Pyers about one of those online auditions that he had over Skype. Now, self-tape is one thing. You can at least do it over and over and over again until you get it right. But when it comes to these Zoom or Skype auditions, it's basically like being in person. You get that one shot. Maybe the director will give you some adjustments. But sometimes our preparation gets an idea or a characterization stuck in our head. And it can be very difficult, no matter how much the director tries, to get us unstuck. When I was auditioning for like the first media role that I had in a, in a feature film, um, it's a movie called Altered Hours that's actually on Amazon recommend you watch it it's like a really cool psychological thriller Um, I had already worked with these guys in like upstate New York on some industrials and they told me that they were working on this thing and they wanted to audition me and obviously it was over Skype because they weren't gonna have me come all the way to upstate New York from Massachusetts I was still in Massachusetts at the time Um, so we do this and the role I'm auditioning for is like you know he's, he's the bad guy and I swear with like the script, like the thought that I had in mind going into it was that it was very much like Silence of the Lambs, Anthony Hopkins, right? You know, just like this sort of maniacal, like sociopath, right? That just no empathy, like complete, like, you know, kind of crazed eyes, whatever. We get into the audition and they tell me right out the gate that it's like complete opposite of that, basically. And so all my preparation was for not. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> and <laughs> I try to keep that in mind when I was, you know, uh, you know, going to go and an audition. But as we're reading it, I, you know, they're like, okay. And, you know, we're just going to start from the top. We start reading lines. And I'm basically just like, hello, Clarice. It's a pleasure to see you today. <laughs> you know, like, uh, just like really giving them just nothing but Anthony Hopkins, like, Agent Stalling, Agent <laughs> Stalling. 
you know, uh, the, it won't work with those second-rate shoes, Clarice. Like, I just couldn't <laughs> stop. And they were like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, that was good. Um, give me a little less, like, psychopath or whatever, and more like this guy's just at, like, the end of his rope, you know, like, really desperate and just, like, no, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Got it, got it, got it. And action. Hello, Clarice. It's a pleasure to see you today. I just right? could not stop the Anthony Hopkins thing, man. It was just like, I was afraid. I got so scared that like everything that I prepped was just like out the window and I was basically just copying out the performance. So tank the audition, just could not stop that. And you could see the disappointment in their face. We kept going and, and it just like, was not working out. And a couple of weeks went by and I didn't hear anything back. And I was just like really disappointed in myself. Well, it turns out I get a call from them. And mind you, I'm working for Domino's Pizza as a delivery boy at the time. And they call me. And I know that, like, I had a feeling with this call that it was good news. So even though I have somebody's pizza in my backseat, I pull the hell over. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What's up? Hey, what's up? Hey, how you doing? And they're like, look, <laughs> you didn't audition well, but we auditioned, like, 20 other dudes for this role. And... We know that we can work with you because you've taken great direction on set and, we're, and you were great to work with, like for these industrials. So we're going to cast you as the role anyway. And I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> thank you so much. I promise you, like, we'll work on it, whatever. And like, we worked on it big time, like, you know, back and forth over Skype and phone calls. And like, I did a lot of work to like make it very much my own thing and like not like the sociopath kind of, you know, stoic, alligatory kind of. Anthony Hopkins thing and um, and I personally think that I, I crushed I'm very proud of my performance uh, and the movie as a whole now certainly while no one wants to feel like the best of the worst auditioners it just goes to show you that sometimes even on our not so great days we can still give just a kernel a, a spark of something that the director sees that they can work with and this next lady certainly knows something about that, having auditioned so many times and found her own Achilles heel when it comes to a bucket list role that she wants. And that is playing Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl. Now, Kimberly Faye Greenberg has made a name for herself here in New York as playing Fanny Bryce in her own one-woman show. So you'd think it would be a logical fit. However, after years of auditioning for the role, she still has yet to land the part. Here's Kimberly sharing two audition stories, one about Funny Girl, and the first one is about an off-Broadway show called Danny and Sylvia, where she had the dreaded eight-bar audition. I campaigned for that audition for like a year. And I, I wasn't getting it. And it was only because there was one person who had been playing the part. And then when they were looking for the replacement, I finally got that audition, got in the room. And then funny enough, I only sang eight bars of my song. And they were like, thank you so much. And then I think I read the scene and they were like, okay, thanks. And I left feeling like, I only sang eight bars. Why did I only sing eight bars? I'm never going to get the job. And I compete. I became campaigning for it and so funny enough I did book that job so anybody listening you can book your job you can book a job from eight bars if you're right for the job people know like when people know you're right for something they know so don't like ever discount the fact that fact 
um, when, when it's meant to be yours, it will be your job. And I learned that there. And I, it's so funny after the fact, um, the show that I booked called the kid from Brooklyn, the Danny Kay musical, uh, which was a bigger cast show than the one opening off Broadway. And we, we toured it to Florida. And I remember her telling, I remember, um, my co-star telling me, oh yeah, you booked the job from the second you walked in. I was like, I sang eight bars. They were like, they knew after eight bars and you didn't have to do anything else. So I think that's just a cool audition story. But I have other audition stories where like, you know, my whole thing is Fanny Bryce. And um, I was auditioning for a production of Funny Girl after being known as Fanny Bryce. And I sang, and this wasn't for the role, it was for the understudy because they had a name in the role. And I, I sang, um, I sang Dorian on my parade. And I was brought to the table. And I was told that they had seen me in my versions and thought I was great. However, for this particular production, um, I was, I, my voice was only just good and they needed somebody who was great. <laughs> I was like, what? So I, um, you could imagine what a emotional toll that had on me after that. But, um, I've been in for funny girl many, many times and Usually it already there's already an offer out or there's a star attached or they want a big Broadway name or they have somebody affiliated with a theater who they know and trust. Nobody ever does that show unless they like have somebody in mind. But I feel like the reason why I don't book the job, um, if it's for an understudy or if it's for a venue that knows me is because they expect me to sound like Barbara. And I don't sound like Barbara. So when I was brought to the table that day, I kind of knew where that was going when he, when they had said to me, we saw you in your, in all the productions of Fanny, you've done, you're great. However, and I said, I don't sound like Barbara. And then their response was, yeah, your voice is only just good. It's not great. But again, it's like you, it, everybody's opinion is valid. If that's, that's fine. You know what I mean? Whatever. And I knew where the, and that's what they meant by that comment. I'm, I'm certain of what that, that's what they meant because again, I, I don't sound like that. I'm not in that. That's not my lo- local genre. I get what that's what you want. Fine. And just for everyone listening, like you're going to have, and we all have horror stories and we also have really great wins too. We're like, there's jobs that I, I have booked in eight bars that, that other story, that's not the first time I've booked a job in eight bars. Do you know what I mean? Or like, I'm the one getting the call and then getting the offer because I auditioned for a theater company six months before and they just didn't have anything for me. And then they thought of me, do you know what I mean? So like everyone's coming at it from a different viewpoint and you can't be everything to everybody. You just have to just be you. And hopefully again, that project that was meant to be yours will be yours and no one's on the same trajectory and you know everything happens in its own own time i will say because i haven't had that production contract i know that when i do the appreciation of it is going to be so much more than if i would have booked it right away like in any of those other final callbacks you know having that having to wait for so long and to spend my life creating these other opportunities it's just going to mean so much more later That is certainly something I can totally relate to. I mean, I've been here in the city 13 years now, and I'm still waiting on that Broadway contract. When it comes, like Kimberly said, I know that I will appreciate it even more for the time that I've spent creating and working in other fields to finally have that Broadway contract. But of course, in the meantime, I continue to audition for other roles, other theaters regionally and here in New York. 
roles and shows that interest me and keep those creative juices flowing. One of those was on Norwegian Cruise Line doing Footloose, which is what I was doing right before the pandemic. And in season four, I brought on both the director and assistant director of that Footloose production. Eric Jordan Young was that assistant director, and he and I talked about cruise ships in general and their fate, certainly after this pandemic. And I also opened up to him about how I really felt about my audition for Footloose. There is a lot that we could be panicking about and and, and making ourselves crazy with, but um, I have faith and hope and um, you know, I think that a lot of great stories and amazing creativity is going to come out of this time. So, so we'll see what happens, but I think they're going to be okay. It's just going to take more time yeah. than we expected it to. Absolutely. And everybody loves Footloose. So yeah, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to, you know, I mean, you know, you know, I did it. I can say I've done it. Yeah. You sure did and did it very well too. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it literally was because I, I forget, were you sitting in the audition? I know you were in the dance audition. Were you in the the singing audition that I had? The, the callback with David? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if you were in there, but yeah, I just know that leaving that, I was like, mm, no, I didn't get that. I, I didn't, I didn't feel good about the, I didn't, I thought that I had messed up the song. I didn't think it was, I was like, boy, I didn't, I, yeah. So, so in my head, I'm going through all the things that, oh, I wish I'd done that or I would have changed that. So, yeah, you just you, you just never know. You, you never you know. You never, ever yeah. know. You never know. As a black guy going in and auditioning um, in a private call with Jay Bender and Stephen Sondheim, I thought, hell no, are they going <laughs> to call me and ask me to do this show? But thank you so much for seeing me. I'm glad I have the opportunity to sing for you. So I sang my heart out and then I ended up getting the job. So talk about you never know. But no, you did really, really well. And we were very excited about you from the moment you walked in the door. Oh, well, that's, that, that is good to hear. It, it, it's, it's nice to know that, you know, I still got it after all this time. <laughs> you still got it, boo. You still got it. <laughs> right? Right? That's awesome. But as this next guest shows us, sometimes you just audition to audition. You're just trying to get work. You're just trying to get the next job, which will lead to the next job, and just keep working, no matter what it is. Christoph Zajak Dinek is a fellow podcaster, but also a stunt person and on-camera actor who came on the podcast to talk about both the opportunities and lack of opportunities for little people like himself. And to give you some frame of reference for the story you're about to hear, he'll be talking about Twin Peaks, and specifically Michael Anderson, which is the little person who became famous for that TV show, as well as the characters Agent Cooper and Laura Palmer. So without further ado, I have saved the best for last. As Christoph shares with us what I believe to be the most unique and surprising audition story I've ever heard. I was in Hollywood and I was searching on breakdowns and I found this breakdown for a reenactment of the Twin Peaks scene in the Red Room with mm. um, Michael Anderson and Cooper and um, Laura Palmer. You know, it's the iconic first time you see the Red Room and they're backwards talking and stuff. And Michael Anderson, the little person, is dancing and talking backwards and it's very strange and weird. And so it was a very low budget project. And so I was in touch with the director and 
she really liked my look and she's like, okay, you know, I would like for you to come in for an audition. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, the audition was at her house at like 7 PM. I show up and she is in like pajama short shorts and is drinking wine. And I'm like, all right, this is interesting. Um, and so she's probably buzzed at this point and she's like, so let's, let's run it. Um, and I'll be Cooper and you be, uh, you know, Michael Anderson. And so we run it and she's like, that was amazing. And I'm like, in my head, I'm thinking that was not amazing. I was not, I'm not that good at this. Now, now she's filming this audition. Yes. She's not. No, I don't believe so. Why would she? Of course not. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is how it is. Okay. So then she's like, okay, let's do it again. And I'll be, um, Laurel Palmer. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be the exact same thing, but sure, let's do it. And so we do it and she's like, oh, you're so good. That's so, that's so good. And I'm like, okay, um, fine. And she's like, I want to book you for this. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. She's like, okay, sit down. Like, congratulations. You are booked. I want to talk to you about like, you know, the logistics and what we're, what we're doing and everything. And I'm like, okay. So I sit down on the couch next to her and we're talking a little bit. And then she's like, do you want a glass of wine? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll have a glass of wine. So we have a glass of wine. She's telling me about what she does. I'm like kind of getting loose and, you know, talking about stuff. And she, um, starts to kind of get flirty and like, is like pushing me and like touching my leg and stuff. And then the next thing I know her, her legs are on top of my legs. The next thing I know she kisses me and like makes is making out with me on her couch. And I'm like, this is, this is an interesting audition. This is crazy. So I finished my glass of wine. We're just talking and, you know, being friendly and stuff. And she's like, well, I'm out of wine. Um, I can either go to the store and get another bottle of wine or I can go to bed. And I'm like, I mean, it's eight 30, whatever you want to do is cool. Like I'm fine to, to do whatever. And she's like, let's go to the store. And I'm like, okay, let's go to the store. Of course. So it's we, like, well, let's see where this goes. Oh my goodness. So we go to the store, we get some more wine, come back to her place Things happen uh-huh. with the director of this show, and I end up spending the night at her place uh, very awkwardly. Like, I was planning on surfing the next morning, and so I really wanted to get up early. And so <laughs> I kind of I woke up and I'm like, I gotta go. This is really weird. Like, she's gonna direct me in three days, and I just spent the night at her house. What the heck? This is so crazy. Right. So I I say goodbye and I leave and get a text message from her. Like you're still doing the show, right? Like you're, I'm like, yes, yes, I I will do the show. And then like, we kind of exchanged, you know, conversation here and there ended up going to do her show. And it was so businesslike and awkward. It was really like this strange experience with her. And um, because what was the actual shoot for? Was it for like a short film or what? I think it was a short film. Yeah. It was some sort of like small showcase project or something like that. Um, I don't necessarily know. Cause you never saw the final product. I'm guessing. I never saw the final product. I'm kind of fine that I never saw the final product <laughs> as well. 
she's like, let me get you a, a thing. And I was like, you know, you don't have to stress over it. It's okay. Like it's, I don't feel like I brought, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it was, that whole process was very, or that whole interaction was very interesting. And I mean, it was so strange and weird and just, it, it just kind of happened. And then six months later, I ended up actually working on Twin Peaks. Right. Which was kind of crazy to me. And was that just a one-off or a recurring part? I'm in four episodes of the new season. And that's you as you, not some crazy alien or dressed in a costume? Not an alien, but a crazy, murderous character. Of course. Why not? Yeah. I got to kill some people. and, and You got to let out that rage. Man, it was intense. Yeah. That's the, that's the, the role I'm the most proud of, too, is that the actual Twin Peaks show. Yeah, I bet. But I assume you never heard from that woman or saw her again. I think she left town. I don't know. I never heard from her again. No, never saw the the final. I think some other people were upset that she wasn't distributing the final to them. And I I kind of did some consoling on the phone with her about that. But that was really the extent of it was one passionate night of audition. <laughs> that, that is quite the audition. That's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's a doozy. I've never had one like that before. I've never had one like that before either. I mean, I've heard of the the casting couch, but I've never actually heard someone talk about their experience with it. Please understand this was not a porno shoot that I was doing. No, no, no. This this is one of those things where... This was just wine and short shorts uh, influencing a director. Because <laughs> I'm trying to think, I have had those auditions, you know, when it was for TV where, where they didn't film, but it was like the director, producer, there, there were a couple of people and they we just kind of went through scene work. So at least it was like, okay, they see my scene work and, you know. Yeah. But yeah, usually if it's a film, you're, you're going to be on camera at some point in an audition, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've done other ones for much bigger productions and walked out of the the room like why did I even come here you guys didn't tape me you didn't you're not going to remember what I did you're barely going to remember my name like this was such a waste of all of our times like I hate it's silly that is certainly something that I can relate to I've been in those auditions that just seem like a waste of my time like why am I here but This is what we got. For us actors, to get the role, we got to audition. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're bad, and sometimes they're just hysterical. And I hope that you have enjoyed these stories that I've shared with you in this episode. Now, as I told you at the beginning, it's time to hear from Brian Cranston himself with some very sage advice for us actors when it comes to auditioning. As far as the business is concerned, I had this epiphany. uh, It was about 20 years ago now. It came to the point where I would allow outside influences to adjust who I was or what I needed to do that day. I actually thought, and this was the biggest mistake, and my biggest note to any young actor, when you go in for an audition, you are not trying to get a job. If you associate an audition with trying to get a job, a job interview, you will ultimately fail. You're there to do your job, which is to create an interesting character and present it. That's what an actor does. We Actors work all the time. We create and present and audition. That's acting. That's work. That's our work. And we're presenting constantly. And we have to think of it. We have to grasp it and, and, and nurture that, that this is what we love to do. 
So from that point on, I, I was not like, oh, an audition. It's like, ooh, an audition. I get to act. And my job is to present that. And then also what it does is change your point of view. You go in there to give someone something, not to try to get something from someone. Huge d- distinction. So the energy that you have in giving a present or giving of yourself, of your time, is far more self-assured and confident than it is if I want to get something from you. Is there, is there anything I can do, anything else I should do that, that mm-hmm. you would say, yes, give me the job? That kind of energy no one wants to see. But they do want to see confidence and an ability to present something and then walk away. If you can grasp this and nothing else, this might save your career. It'll save your sanity. To get even more audition stories delivered right to your podcast app, become a WinMe member. Your monthly donations will give you access to bonus content like this as well as other episodes. Just go to join.whyillnevermakeit.com and help me by supporting the work of this podcast. Well, I am your ever-grateful host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, thanking you for joining me on this special episode of Audition Stories. As I said, it's just part one. So come back next week for part two of Audition Stories as we talk more about why I'll never make it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.